Well, hello and God bless you. Welcome to BlaineCouragesYou.com, where we are here with the word of the Lord to encourage you to stay on the wall for the Lord. My name is Bland, and I certainly do count it a blessing and an honor to be with you on this, the 33rd episode of our podcast. Well, BCU family, we are continuing our discussion on people approval, people disapproval, and how to overcome that, all looking at the book of Nehemiah. So listen, go ahead and get your Bibles, your notebooks, something to write with, a snack, and settle on in. Blaine Encourages You is coming to you with overcoming people approval and disapproval. That's what's coming up next. All right, BCU family. So last time we were together, we went through Nehemiah chapter one, and that gave us some really good foundational information as to why Nehemiah felt pressed in his heart and spirit to go back to Jerusalem to build the wall, the wall to help protect his beautiful city and the temple that was in it. So if you happen to miss that particular episode of our podcast, no worries. What I recommend that you do, if you can, is if you're on the blendcouragesyou.com site, head out to where it says series and studies on the main page, and you'll find Overcoming People Approval with Nehemiah Part 1. If you're listening in on SoundCloud, iTunes, or Stitcher Radio, just head back out to the main menu, go to Nehemiah Part 1, listen to that, catch up with everything, and then you can come on back and listen to Part 2. Amen? Amen. You know, what I love most about Nehemiah uh, was his fortitude and his steadfastness in doing the work of the Lord. So now that we've gotten the background and the basics down from Nehemiah chapter 1, let's see how we can continue to overcome people approval starting in Nehemiah chapter 2. All right, so as we look at Nehemiah chapter 2, starting at verse 1, we are now in the month of Nisan. If you notice back in Nehemiah chapter 1, we were in the month of Chislu. So this was about a four-month difference here between those chapters, if you will. So Nehemiah is on his job. He is giving the wine to the king, and he is looking sad in his face, and the king notices it. So in verse two, the king asks Nehemiah, you know, why are you sad? You know, you're not feeling ill. This has got to be some sort of sorrow of the heart. Verse two says that Nehemiah said, then I was sore afraid. He was very afraid. In verse three, um, he said to the king, you know what? King live forever. You know, why shouldn't I be sad when, you know, my hometown where my father's sepulchers lay, you know, there's waste there and the gates are consumed with fire. So he just expressed, Nehemiah just expressed to the king, you know, why he was so sad. So the king said in verse number four, you know, what is it that you're asking? What is your request? And then Nehemiah says, so I prayed to the God of heaven. So let's stop right here for a checkpoint. What, let me let me just preface it by saying, boom. <laughs> now listen, this was the king, Nehemiah's employer, and Nehemiah was sore afraid, 
very afraid when the king asked him, you know, what was going on. Being afraid is an emotion and it's very real. What is awesome about Nehemiah is the Lord blessed him so that rather than letting that emotion overtake him, he prayed. This was Nehemiah's time to put God's plan that God had given him four months prior into action. So at the end of Nehemiah chapter one, God had already given Nehemiah this plan. We're just going to learn about it here in chapter two. So in verses four, I'm sorry, verses five, six, seven, and eight, check out what happened here. Nehemiah calmly asked for time off. And then he also asked for letters to let him pass through to Judah. He asked for a letter for timber so that he can make beams for the gates, the walls, and the house where he would stay. God touched the king's heart to give Nehemiah exactly what he wanted. As a matter of fact, verse 8 says, And the king granted me his wishes according to the good hand of my God upon me. What I love about this, you all, is that this is scriptural with the king giving Nehemiah what he requested. Proverbs 21 and 1 reminds us that the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord. And just like the rivers of water, he turns it wherever he wants. And once again, that's Proverbs 21 and 1. So something for us to keep in mind that when we need something from someone and they supposedly hold some sort of power in order to be able to do it, ask the Lord to touch their heart. All right, so this takes us to verse number 9 in Nehemiah chapter 2. And it says, Then I came to the governors beyond the river, and this is Nehemiah talking, and gave them the king's letters. Now the king had sent captains of the army and horsemen with me. Got another checkpoint, you all. Notice that Nehemiah did not ask for captains of the army or any horsemen at all. That was extra. You know, when we do whatever God, whatever job God gives us and we do it unto him and not unto men, because remember, we serve God and he's the one that rewards us. That's in Colossians 3.23. When we serve the Lord with gladness, yes, even on that job that can sometimes, you know, pluck your nerves, we should certainly be thankful for having a job. When we do that, BCU family, God will bless us with extras. Ask me how I know. (laughs) Yes, indeed, with the grace of God, he has done it for me. So with all of this awesomeness going on, of course, here comes trouble in verse number 10. So that reads, when Samballot, the Horonite, and Tobiah, the servant, the Ammonite, heard of this, heard about Nehemiah coming to rebuild this wall, it grieved them exceedingly that there had come a man to seek the welfare of the children of Israel. Mm-hmm. So listen, another checkpoint. While God gave Nehemiah the plan, the enemies came along with that. Let me say that again. While God gave Nehemiah the plan, 
enemies came along with that. The weapon would be formed, yet it would not prosper. All things would work together for the good to them that call that love the Lord and that are the called according to his purpose. But the things that were going to be happening individually, especially with these, these folks, Sam Ballot and Tobiah, that servant, they weren't going to be good individually. My, my cousin, Tanyelle, had once said that, you know, the ingredients that go into a, a cookie, let's say, raw oatmeal, eggs, flour, sugar, baking soda, a stick of butter, you know, individually, those things do not taste good. I am certainly not going to sit down to have a good bowl of flour, <laughs> and I'm sure you're not either. Yet, when flour is added to those other ingredients and it's baked up, it makes a very delicious confection. Our fiery trials, temptation, rough patches, all of those things, they are a challenge. They try your faith. You can get weary. You live in a valley for long periods of time. Let me tell you something, BCU family, and I'm talking to myself as well. What we've got to do is mix all of those things up and bake them. And we are a confection for Jesus. We have got to go through the process. We've got to go through the process in order for God to have us to see what what, what it is he wants us to see, to be who he wants us to be. To see that all things work together for the good, we've got to go through that process. And that process doesn't always feel good, but it's going to end up for our good. All right, so now I've got to get back. (laughs) I've got to get back to Sand Ballot and Tobiah. I've got to get back to them. So going back to that verse, um, when these folks, it says, heard the news. They were grieved. And that's verse 10, when they heard the news. So let's talk about the background of these, these, these folks here. So the Horonites and the Ammonites were two of the people groups that God had driven from the promised land for the Israelites. Sanballat, his name means bramble bush or enemy in secret. Okay. There's some, there's some really significant there's some real significance to names. So enemy in secret and bramble bush, and that's like a prickly bush. So that's saying a lot right there. Tobiah, the na- the meaning of his name is interesting because it means God is good. So he was doing the opposite of living like God was good. Not quite sure what was going on there, but nonetheless, these two gentlemen were regional governors serving under the king of Persia. Sanballat, I was probably from Horonaim. It was a city of Moab. And Tobiah, the Ammonite, was governing an area east of the Jordan River. So generations, many generations, after Israel had first possessed the promised land, some of their old enemy enemies were back seeking to keep Jerusalem in ruins. See, that's the deal. So if you were around for our study of Ruth, and if you missed that, you can go uh, catch up with that on the blankcouragesyou.com site, or you can check it out also on um, iTunes, 
You can check it out on Stitcher Radio. You can check it out on SoundCloud. So we've got the study of Ruth. So check that out. If you go back to that, you'll see that the Moabites and the children of Israel were enemies from way, way back. Um, The book of Deuteronomy, chapter 23, verses 3 through 6, tells you all about it. All about it. And just in a nutshell, uh, what it said was that an Ammonite or Moabite shall not enter into the congregation of the Lord, even to the 10th generation shall they not enter into the congregation of the Lord forever, because they met you not with bread and water in the way when you came forth out of Egypt, and because they hired against thee Balaam, the son of Peor, of Bethor, of Mesopotamia, to curse you. All right. So the reason that I'm bringing this up is because typically we don't have new enemies. I'm sure they may come in a different disguise, but under the surface, it's the same enemy from out in the world. And it's usually linked to all that's in the world. All right. The lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh and the pride of life. And that's in 1 John 2 and 16. That's where that starts. And we also did a study on that as well. So listen, just taking a bit of a side note here. If you, you know, back in the day before the Lord saved you, according to Acts 2.38, if you, you know, were liking the men, you know, women, you were liking the men or whatever, men liking the women, lust of the flesh. If you coveted or schemed after nice things in a lustful way, lust of the eye. Like to show off new things? Pride of life. Lying maybe to save face? Pride of life. If you're still upset, you know, with Kiki for embarrassing you back in 1972? Pride of life. The reason that we bring this up is is because you've got to know your old enemies. Know what your enemies are and stay alert to fight them in the spirit. Tobiah... And Sam Ballot, they were old enemies from back in the day, just coming to torment. And it was up to Nehemiah to fight them in the spirit. And we'll talk about that. So getting back to um, these two characters, I like to call them. These two men were exceedingly grieved because Nehemiah was coming to take on this project. Let's talk about the word grieve for a moment. Um, one of the definitions means to cause great distress to someone. To sadden, upset, distress, pain, hurt, wound, sour, dissatisfied, unhappy. Those are some of the adjectives. These men were feeling all of this because that they heard a man had come to see about the children of Israel. Notice that they weren't exceedingly grieved that the walls were broken down or that people were in danger. They were upset because they heard that Nehemiah came to take care of things. What spirit is that? Yeah, you've got it. It is the pride of life. See, old enemy, old enemy. Pride says, you know, why are you helping them? You're not good enough. Why are you here? Why should anyone look after them? I'm not helping them and neither should you. I don't want to see them prosper. I don't want to see them get better. Whatever happened, it's good for them. 
Who sent you? Those are some of the things that pride will say. And the enemy, you know what, is, is very shrewd and slick with that. Pride is what goes before destruction, the word of God said. Pride is what got the enemy and a third of the angels kicked out of heaven. The spirit of pride works through people in subtle and very big ways. Okay, so we really have to guard against that in the name of Jesus. So listen, with that, we have to know that when someone comes up against us, okay, when someone starts to question or to say things or to be grieved when it is that God gives us something, um, we have got to stay on high alert and ask the Lord to give us a mind to carry it through. Folks will be soured when you preach or teach the word of God. People will be distressed because perhaps you have a talent to sing and you use that to the glory of God. Someone will be pained because you are striving for perfection. Another one might be dissatisfied because the Lord blessed you. Listen, it's not the person. Those adjectives that I just used, grieved, soured, sad, upset, dissatisfied, they have their roots in the spirit of of pride. It is the spirit of pride that we have to pray against everybody and guard our hearts against. Remember, remember that although we walk in the flesh, we don't war after the flesh for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5. You know, we are so busy snarling, growling, avoiding, talking about, and looking at the person and fighting them in the flesh that we forget as Holy Ghost-filled believers, that we have the power of Jesus down on the inside to fight against that spirit of pride. When you fight in your flesh, you will get wounded in your spirit. All right, y'all, that was getting good to me. Let me get to verse 11. So uh, verse 11, actually verse number 12. So in verse 11, Nehemiah came to Jerusalem and he was there three days. And he arose at night and he took a few men with him. He didn't tell anybody on what God had put in his heart to do. And all he did was ride on his beast and uh, go. he went out to survey the damage. Let me do a checkpoint here. What I love about this, these passages is, is that Nehemiah took some folks with him that he trusted, but he kept quiet about what God told him to do. Some of our people addiction and fear is because we talk too much to the wrong people. Why are we telling people that we know won't support the work that we're called to do by God And then we get upset when they don't embrace it. In Luke chapter 2, right around verse 13, after the birth of Jesus, angels came praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and peace on earth and goodwill toward men. 
the shepherds, everyone, they were the ones who made it known abroad what was said. But Mary, the mother of Jesus, kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Check it out in Luke chapter 2, again, starting at verse 13. So think about what God has told you to do. Did he lead you to share it on social media? If you did, you know, if you didn't get the likes or shares, did it bother you? When someone questions you in the inbox, you know, do you get upset? Talking about, you know, they won't let me be great. Isn't the greatest in the kingdom the one who serves anyway? Matthew chapter 18. Does the servant need to tell everybody that I'm making moves? You know, watch out because I'm going to do this. No, indeed. No, indeed. So with God's grace, we want to do what we are called to do without calling everybody. We want to use wisdom and discretion when sharing God's vision. Amen. Amen. All right, BCU family, so it is time for us to bring this podcast to a close. I'm telling you, the word of God is rich, y'all. It is rich. And while it blesses, it also can prick our hearts. You hear me? That conviction just, just floods on in, doesn't it? I know it does for me. And that's okay because God designed his word to bless us, all right, and also to correct and to reprove us as he fashions us to be made more like him. That is the goal. So we thank God for that. And together we will overcome people approval and disapproval with Nehemiah as our blueprint and with God as our help. So join us next time we're together where we're going to finish up Nehemiah chapter two and we'll see what we can do about getting into chapter three. Some really good stuff there as well. So once again, this is Blend from BlendCouragesYou.com here. Thanking you so much for tuning in and praying that God bless you, make his face to shine upon you, and give you peace. And until we're together again, stay on the wall.